Welcome to the Energy Update presented by the Institute for Energy Research for the week of August 10th, 2020. I'm Alex Stevens. I'm joined this week by IER's Deputy Director of Public Policy, Jordan McGillis. Jordan, how's it going? It's going well, Alex. How are you? Great. What do we have going on on the blog this week here at IER? Well, given that it is an election year at the presidential level, we can be assured that there will not be a shortage of opportunities for us to comment uh, on big plans. And one of those big plans is the Biden so-called clean energy plan. Uh, This is a $2 trillion plan, um, allegedly, that would attempt to completely remake our energy sector and specifically our electricity sector, uh, eliminating its carbon dioxide emissions by the year 2035. We've got an article up at IER that breaks this down and explains why it is uh, a very misbegotten plan it is a costly plan and it is a, an unrealistic plan. Now, relatedly, there's a report out um, from a couple of San Francisco-based energy researchers uh, this week that is essentially on the same idea, eliminating carbon dioxide from our energy sector by 2035. And, and this report is titled, Mobilizing for a Zero, Zero Carbon America. Uh, essentially, one can read this report as being an endorsement and an explication of the Biden plan. And what our work this week does is looks at why these um, approaches are utterly um, worrisome and and potentially disastrous. Now, the biggest thing for listeners and for the average American to, to understand is where our electricity grid is now in terms of its sources of, of energy, and then where our total energy um, source uh, kind of data slate puts us. And based on Energy Information Administration data, U.S. primary energy consumption by energy source does not bode well for a zero carbon by 2035 plan. And the reason is that renewable energy, this is including wind, solar, but also things like biofuels, things like hydroelectric, that only makes up 11% of our energy by, on a BTU basis at this point. It's really quite minuscule. Wind, which is kind of the darling of the, the clean energy movement, now makes up about 8.5% of electricity generation. When you look at this, though, on total energy consumption, it's just about 2.5% because, of course, much of our transportation comes directly from, uh, from oil and gasoline and diesel and things like that. So in order for these sources of of energy, wind and solar in particular, to make up even even close to half of the US uh, energy makeup in 2035, it would require enormous new build outs, not only of production, but also of transmission of um, electricity from these production sites. So this is an enormous undertaking that would cause ridiculous um, and unneeded trouble for for our grid and for our wider energy sector. Yeah, and of course, the thing that's always overlooked, and it's something that we've touched on in the past on this show, is just that the opportunity cost of all that spending and that the plan would divert land, labor, and capital away from other projects in the economy to produce basically more expensive and less reliable energy. And, you know, just something that's worth pointing out is that um, we've seen countries who have embarked on experiments like this in Germany since 2010. They've been 
undergoing an energy transition. Not completely along the same lines as the Biden plan, because I think Biden's plan leaves room for uh, for nuclear energy, but they still have set targets to go completely carbon emission-free energy by uh, 2050. And what we know about that plan is that it's resulted in the highest energy prices in Europe and uh, that they've steadily seen electricity prices go up uh, the entire time that they've been pursuing this. Yeah, I'd like to build on your brief mention of the opportunity cost. You mentioned three different ways in which uh, we can look at that land, labor, and capital. And on each of those fronts, shifting to more wind and more solar is a big loss. In terms of land, uh, the requirements for producing solar and wind far outstrip something like a, a coal generating facility or a natural gas um, power plant. These are very dense energy sources, uh, coal and natural gas, and they're able to create a lot of power with not a big footprint. It's the total opposite for wind and solar. Um, I believe I saw a report uh, which indicated that in order for us to get all of our energy from wind and solar, it would require something like 70% of the U.S. land mass to be covered with some combination of solar panels and, and wind turbines. Um, that is obviously a future that nobody wants, but it's something that, that the average person hasn't really given much consideration. Partly that's because these facilities typically are, are out away from population centers, but that just compounds the problem uh, because building wind and solar requires all the new transmission. Um, so you've got that enormous land aspect. And then the labor aspect, you're getting less on a BTU basis per worker. It's simply not not very efficient way of, uh, of generating our, ener our energy. We sort of have a fetish in this country about um, job creation and maintaining energy jobs, but ideally we'd be getting a lot of energy from each person employed in that field. We'd be getting a lot of output and we get a lot more output uh, from workers in the uh, hydrocarbon field than, than we do from the installation of, of solar panels and things like that. And then capital, it's the same story. You're getting a lot more bang for your buck uh, when you've got a dense source of energy that doesn't require a lot of labor um, relative to the alternative. And something related to the labor aspect of that too is that um, like anything else, renewable energy requires uh, maintenance and upkeep. And as the production of energy is spread out all over the place, the labor that needs to go into maintaining wind turbines and solar panels and keeping them um, operable is just not comparable to, for example, a natural gas power plant where everything's kind of in one place. Um, you can see how mm -hmm. down the line there's going to be rising costs in capital upkeep. Yep. Doesn't matter how you look at this, it would be an enormous diversion of our resources in terms of money, in terms of people, in terms of uh, land demands from something that's working very well for us, uh, which is natural gas electricity generation, to something that just hasn't proven that it that can compete in an open market. Well, it's something we'll keep an eye on, more reports on what uh, each of the candidates are proposing in terms of uh, energy policy. And these two articles, along with more work from IER staff, can be found at our website, instituteforenergyresearch.org. Thank you for listening. Until next week, I'm Alex Stevens.